Praise God. Well, let's turn in our Bibles. It's Bible study time here this morning. And um, I, uh, I do want to say, those of you that were at the uh, meeting yesterday or listened to the meeting yesterday know that uh, I taught yesterday. I, I did not go to bed at all Friday night. had no sleep. And had ever intention on trying to um, catch up a little bit last night and I think it was I don't know 3.30 I think when I went to bed last night something like that 3 o'clock 3.30 when I went to bed last night and uh, so what little bit of sleep I've had over the last couple of days now when I came in brother uh, Chad Johnson said you want one of these and handed me a five hour energy um, so I told him I said look if I preach five hours I'm going to let the church know to blame you for that um, so we'll we'll see I don't I don't, I don't think you have to worry about that. I just hope that my mind is clear enough to deliver to you what I feel. We did take the day yesterday to, as I said, to talk about my vision for this church. And um, I'm not really finished. And I want to I just add a little piece to that today. And um, something that I felt last night, and I want to share it with this church this morning. Want to, we want to go to the book of First Kings, chapter ten. First Kings, chapter ten, and we're going to read the first nine verses. First Kings chapter 10 and uh, we'll start with verse number 1 First Kings 10 and verse 1 and when the queen of Sheba heard of the fame of Solomon concerning the name of the Lord she came to prove him with hard questions and she came to Jerusalem with a very great train with camels that bear spices and very much gold and precious stones. And when she was come to Solomon, she communed with him of all that was in her heart. And Solomon told her all her questions. There was not anything hid from the king which he told her not. And when the queen of Sheba had seen all Solomon's wisdom. Now I want you to I want you to pay attention to this. When the queen of Sheba had seen she had seen all Solomon's wisdom and the house that he had built 
and the meat of his table and the sitting of his servants and the attendance of his ministers and their apparel and his cupbearers and his ascent by which he went up unto the house of the Lord. There was no more spirit in her. And she said to the king, it was a true report that I heard in mine own land of thy acts and of thy wisdom. Now, now pay attention to this. She had heard some things about Solomon. And she went to check them out. What she heard didn't affect her like what she saw. So, in fact, listen, here's what she says. She said, she said um, it was a true report that I heard in mine own land of thy acts and of thy wisdom. Howbeit, I believed not the words until I came and mine eyes had seen it. And behold, the half was not told me. Now, you, you, you get this. I, I heard things, and I didn't believe what I heard. So I had to come check it out for myself. But when I came to check it out for myself, I found out what I heard wasn't accurate. Not that they weren't telling the truth. It's that they weren't telling enough. They didn't describe it halfway as good as what I see it. The half was not told me. Thy wisdom and prosperity exceedeth the fame which I heard. Happy are thy men. Happy are these thy servants, which stand continually before thee and that hear thy wisdom. Blessed be the Lord thy God, which delighted in thee to set thee on the throne of Israel, because the Lord loved Israel forever. Therefore made he thee king to do judgment and justice. And we'll read some more of that chapter before we're done. But I, I want to, as I said, I want to add a little piece to um, some things that I discussed yesterday. And those that were not there, you don't have to have heard all of that to, to um, tap into what I'm talking about today. This still is going to apply to all of us. And here is, if we could put it this way, the Queen of Sheba was a visitor. who had come to Solomon's kingdom. She came because somebody told her how good it was. And they, they made it sound appealing enough that she said, you know, that sounds a little far-fetched to me. But you've at least piqued my interest. I'll go check it out. And so the visitor came. 
And it's what she saw that impacted her. And so I want to teach, preach, whatever this morning about the value of the visitor's view. The value of the visitor's view. Praise God. Let's put our Bibles down, lift our hands, lift our voices. Let's seek the face of the Lord for just a few more moments here today, asking God to speak to us. Let's talk to the Lord together right now. Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Could we lift our hands and worship the Lord? I feel his presence here today. I really do feel a special touch of the Lord in this service today. Let's, let's just worship him together. Let's praise him together right now. Jesus. Oh, that's it. Let's praise him. Let's praise him. Oh, Jesus, we worship you today. Oh, hallelujah. I need you, God. I need you, God. Praise God. Let's continue this good spirit of worship this morning. Amen. You may be seated. Now, I, I want to just take some time here this morning talk to you about this visit by the Queen of Sheba to the King of Israel. The Bible says that what she heard, according to verse 1, if you've got your Bibles still open there, this is a Bible study time, and so keep your Bibles open there. But, but uh, if you look at it, what the Bible says that she heard was she heard of the fame of Solomon concerning the name of the Lord. Amen. It wasn't just that she heard about another king that was sitting on a throne. Now remember, she's a queen. She's got some power. She's got some prestige. She's got a place and a position where she's already recognized by others. So it, it wasn't just that he was a king and that he had a kingdom, but there was something about him she had heard concerning the name of the Lord. Amen. That's what really caught her interest. Amen. This is not just another king. Most kings, you know, tend to be a bit 
arrogant. They tend to be a bit full of themselves, if you please. And uh, how many times do we read of men like Nebuchadnezzar who walks around saying, is this not great Babylon that I have built? Or, or Herod who gives a great speech and the people say, it's the voice of a God and he accepts that and God has to smite him to remind him that you're not a God. Amen. I'm telling you there was something about Solomon this wasn't just another king that was going around bragging look what I built but what she heard was this king is different because evidently he's got a connection with the God of heaven. There's something about Solomon that sets him apart from every other king on the earth uh, he he's not around bragging about him uh, about himself and what he's accomplished but instead he's bragging about his god well hallelujah and so she decided she wanted to go check it out now i can't tell you today exactly where sheba is because uh, this is one of those things about which the quote-unquote scholars uh, are still debating. They haven't fully decided. Uh, you know, some of them think somewhere around Ethiopia. Um, but, but they haven't really decided exactly where Sheba was. But they do seem to agree that it was evidently a great distance from where she was to where Solomon reigned. But there was something in her heart that said regardless of the distance and regardless of the cost, I've heard enough about Solomon and his God that I've just got to go and check it out for myself. Well, praise God. Amen. Amen. I, I don't want to get ahead of myself today, but, but I, we are obviously talking about the value of the visitor's view. And I want to tell you what this city needs to hear about the true church is not about, uh, about Bear with me, but not about how good you are, but they need to hear about how good your God is. What they need to know about this place is that they can expect when they walk in these doors that the God of heaven is going to meet them here. Well, praise God. I'm telling you, there are plenty of, of options for them throughout this city and around this metropolitan area. Lots of places they can go to church. But I'm here to tell you what we've got to do. Amen. We've got to let uh, these people know that this is a place where when you come here, we're not about showing you our great talent. We're not about trying to bring you into some uh, economic or social clique. But what we're about is inviting the presence of the Lord. Amen. You might find, amen, a, a, a better, a, a bigger building. You might find more talented singers. I know you can find a better preacher. But here's what I want you to know about the true church. God meets with us in this place. The Spirit of God dwells in this house. 
if you're looking for programs you can find better programs but if you're looking for God you've come to the right place Hallelujah. So regardless of the distance or the cost, this woman said, I got to go see this for myself. I got to check this out. One commentator said this, and I quote, on what errand the queen of Sheba came not to treat of trade or commerce, to adjust the limits of their dominions, to court his alliance for their mutual strength, or his assistance against some common enemy, which are the common occasions of the Congress of Crowned Heads and their interviews. But she came, number one, to satisfy her curiosity, and number two, to receive instruction from him. She came to ask him some questions. There's some things I want to know. I'm hearing things and I, 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 I want some answers. Hallelujah. Oh, praise God. I'm telling you, church, amen, the darker things get out there, the greater the opportunity is for us because people out there have got questions and we need to let them know the answer can be found right here. Hallelujah. Amen. This is the answer you're looking for. It's not going to be found in a political party. It's not going to be found in an individual I'm going to tell you the answer you're looking for is right here and then it's it's an amazing thing for me to consider her response to her very first visit to Solomon's kingdom read for me brother Goff read verse 5 first Kings chapter 10 and verse 5, read that for me, please. And the meat of his table, and the sitting of his servants, and the attendance of his ministers, and their apparel, and his cupbearers, and his ascent by which he went up into the house of the Lord. There was no there more spirit. There was no more spirit. In her. In her. Now, again, to refer to these commentators one says she was beside herself in amazement. Another said she had no power for a time to speak. What she saw and heard so affected her. Adam Clark says that she was overpowered with astonishment to the point that she fainted. So can I, can I say this? She wasn't just impressed. She was floored. Well, hallelujah. Amen. I'm telling you, she, now she'd heard things that evidently was, was big enough for a queen to decide. I'm not sending some emissary to check it out. I got to go see this for myself. I, 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 I'm, I'm going I'm to leave my throne and my kingdom and go see it with my own eyes and hear with my own ears. And when she got there, now again, this is not, we're not talking about, you know, some pauper 
who walks into a palace and he's floored by what he sees. We're talking about a queen. We're talking about a woman that was accustomed to riches. She was accustomed to people waiting on her, tending to her. She wasn't impressed that he had servants or that he had wealth. That's not what amazed her. But I'm telling you, when she got there and saw for herself how things operated, she had no more spirit in her. I'm telling you, it just overwhelmed her. She was so impressed with what she saw. Now, what was it that caused this visitor to be so amazed? Amen. What was it that she saw that impressed her so very much? Well, let's talk about it for a few minutes. Amen. Amen. I'm going to just try to hit the highlights, and then we're going to come back and deal with each one individually. First of all, verse 8, 1 Kings chapter 10. You still got your Bible open? Read with us here. Amen. 1 Kings 10, verse 8. Happy are thy men. Happy are thy men. Happy are these thy Happy servants. Happy are these thy servants. Which stand continually before stand thee. Stand continually before thee. And that hear thy and wisdom. Hear thy wisdom. This queen was impressed that the servants, the servants, the servants, slaves, if you please, she had servants. She had servants. She had people attending to her. But there was something about these servants and the way they were behaving in carrying out their duties. Well, hallelujah. She saw that they didn't dread their task. They weren't just doing this, Brother Nelson, because they had to do it. This wasn't a matter of if I don't get up today and prepare the king's food, I'm a dead man. So I'm going to drag myself out of bed. I don't feel like doing this today, but I'm going to do it. You know, you can tell when somebody wants to be there and when they don't. But what she saw was people that were waiting on Solomon and they were happy to do it. They were glad about it. It wasn't a drudgery. Oh, I, I'm, I'm doing my best to hold back on the reins. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to preach to you about these things in just a moment. I just want you to see amen, what impressed her so much. Amen. They, they, didn't, they didn't go about their daily deeds looking like they had just lost their best friend. They didn't walk in with their chins hanging, the, uh, dragging the ground and, and, and uh, frowns on their faces. Oh, hallelujah. But they were happy. There was a smile. It looked to her like they couldn't wait to get there. It looked to her like they were excited about serving Solomon. Like they counted it an honor and a privilege to be where they were. 
Then the second thing here that I want to talk about, and these are not in order, obviously, but, 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 but look at this now. The second thing I want to talk about, verse 5. And the meat of his table. And the meat of his table. And the sitting of his servants. Uh-huh. And the attendance of his ministers. Uh-huh. And their apparel. Apparel. And his cupbearers. Cup Let's stop there and we'll come back and finish verse 5 in just a minute. But, but, but here's what I want you to see. There was something about the food that they were setting before him. Now, look, again, she's a queen. She's, she's, not, she's not having them bring her a leftover quarter pounder with cheese. They're not, they're not bringing in, you know, frozen foods and, and setting before her leftovers. She's a queen. She's used to eating well. She's used to seeing big meals and fancy tables. But when she saw the food that was being served at Solomon's table, this was unlike anything she'd ever seen as a queen. This far exceeded what she was used to eating. She thought what she was getting was good food. She was happy, Brother Chad, with what they'd been serving her back in Sheba until she got to Solomon's table. And then she said, you know what? What they've been giving me is baloney. This man's serving filet mignon. Well, hallelujah. This, this is completely a different league. From what I've been eating. Oh. Hallelujah. She was a queen, but what she was served, what she ate was nothing compared to what was going on in Solomon's house. And then let's 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 read the rest of verse five. If you got to, you can start from the beginning, whatever. Whatever. Just just read for me. Let's finish that verse out. And his ascent. And his ascent. By which he went up into the house of the Lord. He went up into the house of the Lord. There was no more spirit in her. Now look, it's this last thing that's said. When it comes to this pinnacle that there's no more spirit left in her. Which leads me to believe that she's seeing all these other things but... This was the thing that really got to her. There was something about their worship. There was something about the way that they went to church. They weren't going to church like everybody else was going to church. They they weren't having service like everybody else was having service. There was something about the reverence that they had in their heart. Amen. There was something about the way Solomon, even though he was a powerful, well-loved, and wealthy king when it came to him going to the house of God. His crown didn't matter. His robe didn't matter. His servants didn't matter. There was something about going to God's house that just brought him down to the level of man because he recognized how awesome his God was, how great his God was, and his kingdom meant nothing compared to the kingdom of his God. Hallelujah. It was this worship 
that was unparalleled that evidently brought her to that place that uh, I heard one apostolic preacher say she fell on the floor and got the Holy Ghost. I understand that because you, you, you heard me some, uh, some weeks ago give my testimony about finally getting my dad how he hated, he fought against the church and, and made fun of the church and finally got him to church one night and, and, and in the midst of all of his pain and, 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 and he's ready to walk out but, but the preacher got him by the hand and led him down to the altar to be prayed for and you know what happened to him. Amen. He fell on the floor and got the Holy Ghost. God saved him that, that very night. Hallelujah. So I understand what the man's talking about. Something happened to the Queen of Sheba that day when she she got to look at, at the way they worshipped. This was not put on. This was not fake. This wasn't just a bunch of, amen, of smoke and mirrors. This wasn't because of strobe lights and fog machines. But she recognized this was from the heart. This was coming from a deeper place. And something about the worship, oh hallelujah, that was going on in that place that she said, I, I've never seen anything like this and so I'm preaching to you today about the value of the visitors view and I want to ask you today truth church what do our visitors see amen I want us I want us to get to a place. I talked a lot about our vision, my vision yesterday. And what I believe God wants for this assembly. But I want to tell you, part of that is found right here. And I want this church to get to a place uh, that when people come to visit us, uh, amen, they feel the same way that the Queen of Sheba did. I don't want them to walk out of here and say, well, that's just another king I met. Uh, I'm just going to add him to my contact list here. And maybe someday I'll be up against another, uh, another king that I, I might need his help and I might give him a call. No, I want them. I want them when they come in this place uh, to be floored by what they see I want them to be so moved by what they see that they walk out of here saying the half was not told me Amen. hallelujah I'm going to tell you I believe that if they can see what she saw They'll respond like she did. Hallelujah. I believe that if our visitors can see what the Queen of Sheba saw, they'll respond like the Queen of Sheba did. So I want to tell you what they need to see. They ought to come to this house and see happy servants. Amen. John chapter 13, verses 16 to 17. Well, praise God. Verily, John 13, 16 to 17, read for me. 
Verily, verily, I say unto you. Truly, truly, I tell you. The servant is the not greater not than greater his Lord. Than his Lord. Neither he that neither is sent, he that greater sent greater than he that sent he him. That sent him. Now listen to this. If you know, if you these, know things, these things, happy are ye. Happy if you do are them. ye if you do them. Amen. I'm here to tell you, church, living for God should not be a drudgery. Living for God should not be something we dread. We shouldn't be doing this just to keep us out of hell. We shouldn't be doing it just to keep the preacher off our back. We shouldn't be doing it, amen, just to try to impress somebody else. We ought to love living like we live. We ought to be happy being one God tongue-talking apostolics. We ought to be thrilled to be a part of God's family and God's kingdom. We ought to be happy servants. My Lord. Amen. First John 5 verse 3 says this. For this is the love of God. That we keep his commandments. Yeah. And his commandments, his commandments are not grievous. Are not grievous. Now I'm going to tell you, I've traveled, I've traveled far and wide. Amen. I've been in, in so many countries. Amen. I've been to so many different churches. And I can tell you, not everybody, not everybody, amen, that lives this life is happy living this life. There's some of them that do it, but they do it because, amen, they feel like they have to do it. They don't really want to. Amen. They're not very excited about it. And you can tell it when you look at them. They're not happy to dress like they dress. They're not happy to do what they do. They begrudge putting a dollar in the offering. They're not happy about it. But I'm going to tell you, if we want visitors, amen, to be shaken when they come to this place, they need to recognize, not because we're putting on, but because there is something down on the inside of us that we're happy serving God. I love living this way I love everything about being who I am oh, I feel the Holy Ghost here this morning listen they can go in any church anywhere and find a bunch of sour folks. They can. People that are mad at the world. And there's a lot to be mad at right now. Well, that's the truth. There's a whole lot to be mad at right now. Praise God. But it ought not be when we come to this place. This is our sanctuary. For just a little while this morning, I don't have to worry about what somebody's saying out there. I don't have to worry, amen, about what's going on out there. I don't have to worry about who the next president's gonna be. I don't have to worry about, for a little while, I'm in here with the King of Kings and I'm happy to be here. Look, even, even when we're having problems, we ought to be happy. Yeah. 
You don't think some of those servants had some problems? I mean, they were humans. You don't think some of them had some sick kids at home? You don't think they had some issues they were having to deal with? I wouldn't be surprised, but what some of those servants may have had spouses that didn't care for Solomon. And they had to go home every day and listen. But when they got back to Solomon's house, when they got back to the palace, they forgot about all that. This was a refuge. This was a safe place. And I'm happy to be here. I'm happy to be in service with the king. Hallelujah. Amen. First Peter chapter 3, verse 14. Read for me. But, and if ye suffer for righteousness sake, Happy are ye, are ye, Amen. and be not afraid, be not of, their afraid terror, of their terror. Neither be troubled. Neither be troubled. Come on, let's quit worrying about what's coming down the road. We're just going to keep serving the King. We're just going to keep serving. He hadn't failed us. He's never left us. He's never let us down. He's never neglected us. I was young and now I'm old, but I've never seen the righteous forsaken, nor his seed begging for bread. Never. It's a long time, my friend. Never is a long time. I'm preaching to you today. No matter what comes or goes, our God is going to take care of us, and we ought to be happy about that. First Peter 4, I like this, I just read First Peter 3, 14, now let's read First Peter 4, 14. If you be reproached for the name of Christ, if you be reproached for the name of Christ, happy are ye. Happy are ye. For the spirit of glory and of God resteth upon you. Here's why you ought to be happy. Because the spirit of glory and of God resteth upon you. On their part he is uh, evil on their spoken part, of. He's evil spoken but on your part of, he is glorified. Part, he's glorified. Hallelujah. Amen. I'm telling you, they may hate me out there, but I got one that loves me. And his glory is resting on me. And when I come into the house of God, his glory meets with me here. And I'm happy. I'm happy. I'm happy. No matter what my situation is, I'm happy. Here's why we ought to be happy no matter what's going on. Psalm 144. Verse 15, read. Happy is that people that is in such a case. Yea, happy hey, is that people. Happy is that people. Whose God whose is God the Lord. Is the Lord. My God's not money, so if the whole monetary system collapses, I'm still happy. My God, well, hallelujah, come on, somebody. My God doesn't sit in Washington, so no matter what happens politically, I'm still happy. You want to know why I'm happy? Because my God is the Lord. That's why I'm happy, and he has hasn't changed. He's never changed. He's never going to change. Everything we've known about him from the beginning of time, he still is today and he's going to be tomorrow. Jesus Christ, the same yesterday and today and forever. Happy is that people whose God is the Lord. (laughs) 
Oh, let's praise him. Let's praise him. Be seated, be seated. I'm telling you, when a visitor comes, they ought to find happy servants. Well, you're going to ride with me for a few more minutes now. Praise God. You know what else they ought to find? They ought to come in here and be able to find good food. Psalm 34, verse 8. We read this at the close of the service on Tuesday night. In fact, the next passage we read Tuesday night as well. We just tie it all in together here. Amen. Read for me. Amen. Psalm 34, verse 8. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Yeah. Blessed is the Blessed man is that trusteth in him. Yeah, and then Psalm 19, verses 9 and 10. The fear of the Lord is clean, yes. enduring forever. Right. The judgments of the judgments Lord of are the true, Lord. true and righteous altogether. Righteous altogether. More, to, more be to be desired are they, are they than, than gold. gold. Yea, than, than much more fine, fine gold. gold. Sweeter, Sweeter also than, than the honey and the honeycomb. honeycomb. I'm going to tell you, hey amen, they ought to be able to come in here and find honey that's flowing, honey that's dripping. They ought to be able to come in here and find good food. They should be able to come in here and find something sweet. Now, now listen to me. Listen to me. Amen. Other ministers and I should not have to spend our time dealing with issues and problems, we ought to be able to cook up a meal that's going to be sweet for the visitor. Well, you know, there's just so much that really has saints of God, we ought to be able to work out. We ought to be able just to figure some things out. In fact, there's some things we ought to just take some time and pray about, and we might find out it's not as bad as we think it is. Amen. Brother Goff got on this the other night when he preached, but I'm going to tell you, we, we, shouldn't, we shouldn't come in here and just always be expecting that the preacher is going to preach to me. We shouldn't come in here hanging, our experience with God hanging by a thread. Oh, if he doesn't say the right thing today, I just don't know if I can hold on. No, no, no. You need to be spending enough time in prayer and in the word that when you come to church, if we got, if we got one visitor or we got a hundred visitors, amen, regardless, the preacher ought to be able to preach something sweet enough for them that it creates an appetite in their heart. Amen. That they go back and say, look, I thought what I was getting back there was good, but that's just a bunch of baloney compared to what they're serving over here. This is what I'm hungry for. This is what I want to go back and find. I want somebody that's going to give me the unadulterated word of God all right all right all right all right hallelujah amen 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 all right let's let's just we'll skip that next scripture and we'll just move on we're not liking that one well as well as we did the first one maybe we'll like this next one a little better amen they ought to come in here they ought to come in here and find they ought to find happy servants they ought to find good food. And you know what else they ought to find when they come in here? They ought to find great worship. 
Listen to me, church. Our worship should not just impress them. Our worship ought to floor them. Oh, praise God. Amen. Do you remember? Now listen, I've, I've taught so much about Bible interpretation. And I've, I've stressed to this church about the importance of first mention. Right? How we, we go back to the first time that something happens. And we recognize that God gives us some details there that are significant in that first incident. We might not find just everywhere, but, but if that's the way it was at the first, there's something about that God wants us to take notice of. So if I could submit to you today the first apostolic church service that had visitors. was the day of Pentecost. Oh, hallelujah. Because there was a big crowd that gathered around there. Amen. Now, 120 had received the Holy Ghost, but there was a whole lot of folks, amen, that didn't have the Holy Ghost that were watching and witnessing and, and uh, they didn't understand what was going on. But listen to this, Acts chapter 2, verses 11 through 13. Now, this is first mention. Listen, listen to the way the visitors were viewing this service. Amen. Acts chapter 2 verses 11 to 13. Cretes and Arabians, uh, we do hear them speak in our tongues. We hear them speak in our tongues. The wonderful the works wonderful of God. works of God. We're understanding that these people are talking about how great God is. They're not throwing out a bunch of theological jargon that we got to have a Bible dictionary to figure out what's going on. But we hear them speak in our tongues the wonderful works of God. What we know, we don't understand everything that's happening, but we do know this. They're magnifying God. They're glorifying God. They're talking about God and how great he is. And verse 12... And they were all amazed. They were all amazed. And were in doubt, and saying were in one doubt, to another. Saying one to another. What meaneth this? What meaneth this? Now, you did have that bunch in verse 13. Read. Others mocking, Others said, mocking said, these men are full of new wine. They're full of new wine. Now, they didn't understand what they saw. But I can tell you this. They were moved by what they saw. I don't read where there were anybody in the crowd that just stood there and said, oh, well, just another church service. Oh, well, this is no different than the synagogue I went to last week. Hello? Praise God. Everybody that came and saw it, every visitor there was moved. They didn't understand it. They couldn't figure it out. And some were asking for more. And some were making fun. But everybody was moved by what was going on. And I've had people say, you know, you, you, you Pentecostals, you apostolics, you ought to tone down your worship. You're going to scare off the visitors. Well, I want to tell you, in the first mention, I don't find where anybody was scared off. 
I don't find where it ran anybody off, but I do find where it ran a bunch of people in. Because when they started asking questions, it was then that Peter stood up and said, Brethren, men and brethren, amen, these are not drunken as you suppose, but this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. And here's what I find in Acts chapter 2 and verse 37. They're not running out the door. They're not scared. They're not afraid. Here's what I find is the response of the visitors. Now when they heard when this, they, heard this, they were pricked, they were in, their pricked heart, in their heart. And, said and they said and to, to the Peter the and the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, men and brethren tell me, where can I get some of that? Tell me, how can I get a hold of what you've got right now? Oh, come on, somebody. I'm talking about the value, amen, of the visitor's view. When they saw the worship that went on at the day of Pentecost, there were 3,000 that said, I want it. This is different than the ritual we're used to. This is different than the dead, dry service that we've always known. But I like it. I like it. And I want to be a part of it. Oh, hallelujah. Amen. Amen. I'm going to tell you. We got to make sure, saints, that when the visitors come, they see us at our best, especially in our worship. As I said, if I'm understanding First Kings correctly, it was that ascent by which he went up into the house of the Lord that made the biggest impression on that visitor. And I'm going to tell you, they're going to be impressed if they see happy servants. They're going to be impressed if they're served good food. But nothing is going to really move them like great worship. When they come in here and we are worshiping God without reservation, without hesitation, nobody's having to say, come on, saints, Come on, say, can somebody say praise the Lord? Can somebody clap your hands? Can somebody raise your hand? Come on, saints, we need to work. No, 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 but there's something that's springing up out of us. There's something that's flowing out of us. And when people see that kind of worship, I risk, I risk losing this great response we got going right now by throwing in a little pastoring. But you know, when you stay up all night Saturday night playing games and doing a bunch of nonsense, now I was up pretty late last night, but I wasn't playing games and doing nonsense. But when you just are careless about Saturday night and you know you got to be in church Sunday morning and then you drag in here and you can't hardly even keep your eyes open. I'm so tired. Visitors see that. And you know what that says? That says you don't really care what they see. You're not really interested in them. You're interested in you having fun on Saturday night. Well, when we come in 
after a hard day's work Tuesday. And I've been there and I know what it's all about. We come in after a hard day's work. On Tuesday, we just plop down. Okay, I get to rest for a couple hours now. Where's all my shouters? You told me it'd be all right for me to throw a little pastor in the midst of all this. That's all I'm doing. Praise God. Amen. We just come in. We just plop down to the side. We're just going to kind of take it easy now until this service is over. It's just midweek after all. Yeah, but look, we got visitors sitting out there. We got somebody sitting out there that needs the Holy Ghost. And here you are deciding you're just going to take it easy tonight. No, they need to see great worship going on. We don't know if they'll ever come back. We don't know if we'll ever get another opportunity. They need to see that we're serious. Oh, God help me today. They need to see that we're serious about the worship of our God. We're not doing this out of obligation. We're not doing it because the man behind the pulpit is telling us to do it. We're not doing it because somebody's shaming us into doing it. I'm telling you, I'm telling you, God give us the attitude that I've seen overseas. Amen. When you say, let's praise the Lord. And it goes on and on and on and on and on. I've, I've heard some missionaries say they've learned and they've had to tell preachers when you come over don't, don't get up there and say let's praise the Lord because it may be two hours before you get service back see we're used to saying come on church let's praise the Lord come on let's praise the Lord come on let's praise the Lord and we, we, we spend four minutes trying to get four and a half minutes of worship out of everybody well, and I'm telling you, what's got to happen is an attitude in our hearts that when we're here, amen. And I'm not talking about, look, look, listen to me, church. Listen to me. The devil's going to do everything he can to destroy your attitude, your spirit before you ever get here. I'm not going to ask for a show of hands, but how many times have you got up on Sunday morning? Your spouse or your child or your parent just said the wrong thing. And your cork is just about to blow. And you're mad all the way to church. And you're fussing and you're fuming. And then when you get here, you got to try to flip a switch. Turn the frown upside down. I'm happy, I'm happy. You don't think people see past that? Listen, that's the devil's business. That's his business. And what we got to do is we just got to make up our mind. When that happens, we say, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. I don't care about who's right and who's wrong. The devil's wrong. And we're not going to let him hinder us and our service tonight. The devil probably knows there's somebody coming to church tonight. And I'm not going to walk in there and have to work on my attitude. I'm going to work on it right now. Oh, somebody listen to me. Come on now. You, you, you cast your vote for me to pastor for a few minutes. At least the majority did. Well, 
um, what was that term they kept using? Plenary. I have plenary authority here. So it don't matter really who else voted. I voted for me to have pastoral privilege right now, so I'm, that's all that matters. Praise God. Hallelujah. I'm just telling you, saints, we got to understand this is serious business. This is a war that's going on around us, and we got to get in here and do it right. We got to get in here and do it right. We got to mean business when we get here. Amen. This is not the time. Amen. This is not the place for us to hold grudges and to get attitudes. Amen. This is not the time or the place. We got to come into the king's house and give him the praise that he deserves. Even when nobody else is making us happy, he still makes us happy. Even when nobody else is treating us right, he still treats us right. Well, praise God. Amen. Uh, I heard my pastor tell about a couple that so they'd fussed and fought all the way to church. They got to church and man, service is going. She's sitting there fuming. She's mad. She looks over and her husband's on his feet and boy, he's just worshiping. And she's glaring at him. When he finally sits down, she, he said she leaned over to her and said, you hypocrite. She said, how can you do that when we've been fussing all the way to church? And he said, he just looked at her and said, well, I'm not mad at God. I'm not going to take it out on him. I ain't mad at God. Praise God. We'll talk about this after church right now. I'm not mad at God. I'm going to give God my best. Praise God. I'm going to give God my best. He deserves my, he always gives me his best. God never serves me a leftover. God never gives me, amen, just something to just throw at me, some little trinket. Amen, he always gives me his best. So when I come to church, that's what I'm going to give to him. I'm not just going to give him half-hearted worship. I'm not just going to give him a fraction of my praise, but I'm going to pour my heart out in worship and adoration because God has been good to me. Oh, praise God. I really am almost done. I'm almost done. Bishop Johnson, Bishop Tom Johnson in Colorado Springs, I heard him say one time, he said, if you want to know the key to revival, he said, one of the major keys to revival is really very simple. He said, it's this. When you come to church, have good church. It's as simple as that. When you come to church, have good church. Come on, saints. Is it worth it to us? Is it worth it to us that we're going to make up our mind? It doesn't matter if it's Sunday morning, Sunday night, Tuesday night, Thursday night prayer. It doesn't matter if it's a Friday night youth service. It doesn't matter what's going on. When we come to church, we're going to have good church. We're going to have good church. Amen. We're going to have good church. Well... I'm telling you, and we talked a lot yesterday about outreach. And outreach is important. It is essential. But I'm going to tell you, 
Not only is outreach essential, in draw is essential. Amen. If we get them here, Brother Albritton, there's got to be something when they get here that keeps them here. If we just bring them to another of the many churches in this area, they're going to walk out and visit another of the many churches in this area. But if they can come in here and see what the Queen of Sheba saw, and they walk in here and they're amazed at our ascent. That ascent meant the way he went up. He wasn't going down. He wasn't struggling. He was on his way up. He might have been down before he got to church. But when he got there, he's going up. Hallelujah. I'm telling you, that's what they got to see. They got to see us going up. Oh, this is my respite. This is my refuge. I'm so glad to be at the house of God. We'll make sure that they see happy servants, that they're served good food, they experience great worship. They'll say what the Queen of Sheba said. First Kings 10, verse 7. Howbeit I believe not the words until I came, and mine eyes had seen it. And behold, the half was not told me. Yeah. Thy wisdom and prosperity exceeded the fame which I heard. Yeah, yeah. I'm telling you, if they... If, if we'll make sure of those three things, when they get here, they're going to say, man, they really didn't describe it well enough. This is better than what anybody told me. I've shared this with the church sometime in, in, in uh, uh, the past, but let me say it again. I, I remember several years ago, I was pastoring in, in Texas, and, uh, and uh, there was a lady I was trying to get to come to church, and she said, oh, I said, I've heard about you folks. I've heard about the way you act in church. And she said, I'm just telling you now, preacher, if I come to that church and I see all that stuff going on, she said, I'll just laugh at you. I said, that's fine, ma'am. Just come and laugh. I don't care. Just come and laugh. Just so you come. That's all I ask. And if you want to laugh, I will not be offended. You just come and laugh. Well, she came. And I'm telling you, the saints of God did what saints of God are supposed to do. They're running. They're dancing. They're shouting. They're praising. And I look back, and she's laughing. And I'm telling you, it just didn't slack up. And the service kept going, and she kept laughing. But at one point, while I was preaching, I looked back there, and she wasn't laughing anymore. I looked back, and she's wiping tears. She's wiping tears. And before she left that night, I baptized her in Jesus' name, and she prayed through to the Holy Ghost. You know why? The half had not been told her. She'd heard about how we can act, but she hadn't heard about what she'd feel. She didn't know what she was really getting into. That's what I'm preaching today, true church. I'm telling you, they need to get here and say the half has not been told. They'll say it's better than I ever imagined. Verse 9, read, I'm trying, I'm trying. Musicians, come, get ready. Try to figure out what in the world you're going to play. Amen. Verse 9. Blessed be the Blessed Lord, be the thy, Lord God, thy God, which delighteth in, delighted in thee, to set thee on, the, set throne thee on the throne of Israel, because the Lord God loved Israel forever. loved this nation. 
Therefore, he made the king. That's why he put this place. To do judgment and justice. I'm telling you, that's the way I want visitors to feel when they come. God must have really loved Olathe, Kansas to put this church in the middle of it. Amen. God must have loved this city. Amen. To bring this church here. Well, praise God. Come on, somebody. Amen. She said, blessed be the Lord thy God. That's the way I want visitors to walk out of here. I want them singing, bless the Lord. Oh, my soul. Amen. I want them to be moved by what's going on. Two more verses just real quick here. Just two more and I'm done. I'm done. Verse 13. Solomon, before she left, Solomon made sure that she would never forget her visit. She'd already seen enough. I mean, she'd passed out at the glory of what she saw. Solomon said, I just want to put a little icing on the cake for you here. So verse 13, read. And the king Solomon gave unto the queen of Sheba all her desire. When she got there, she had a few questions. She came with some expectations, Brother Jerry. But before she left, she got everything she was looking for. She got more than what she bargained for. Oh, hallelujah. Amen. All of her desire. Read. Whatsoever, whatsoever she, asked, she asked. Beside that which Solomon gave that, her of his royal Solomon bounty. reached in his own pocket. and said, oh, by the way, I just want to give you this too. Right. My, my, hallelujah. I'm just going to add a little bit to what you've already gotten out of this experience, but I'm just going to put a little personal touch on it. And that's what's got to happen, saints. I'm talking to you. They need to come in here and see all this corporate going on. But they need that personal touch before they ever walk out the door. They got to have that personal touch. And we need to give them a little something of ourselves. So she turned and went to her own country, she and her servants. Now, I don't know. I mean, there's all kinds of stories you can read. Some say Solomon married her. I mean, there's just all kinds of stuff you can read. I don't know. I don't know if she ever really had any further action, uh, any further uh, uh, interaction with Solomon. I don't know. I don't know. But I do know this. We read all of this leading up to verse 13 and Solomon had so well treated her. And this visitor was so blessed by her visit to Solomon's kingdom and the house of God. She was so blessed and she had been treated so well. I don't know if Solomon ever saw anything out of her that rewarded him for what he did. But this is verse 13, and it appears to me that because of the efforts of Solomon, God blessed Solomon. If I haven't treated this visitor the way he treated her, 
Because let's look at verse 14. And this is my last one, I promise you. Read. Now the weight of gold that came to Solomon one year. This is the very next verse. The weight of gold that came to Solomon in one year. Was 603 603 score and six talents talents of gold. gold. Now I, I, I went in and tried to do some research and figure out how much a talent of gold in Solomon's day would be worth in today's U.S. dollars. And that's a hard thing to do. There's a lot of, again, differences of opinion. I'm telling you, the, the lowest figure that I found, the lowest figure that I found for this entire amount here, 603 score and six talents of gold, the lowest figure I found was $287 million in today's money in one year. When he treated that visitor the right way. Now, that was the lowest figure. But I found a number of other sources that put that figure at well over one billion with a B dollars in one year. Now, I'm not saying God's going to bless us with a billion dollars. I'm just saying God blessed Solomon in ways he didn't even ask for. When, and this, again, falls, it falls on the heels of the way he treated the visitor. The very next statement is how much came to him that next year. I just believe that God loves it. Brother Nelson, Brother Nelson used a scripture yesterday. Let's stand. I'm, I, I got to quit. I, I said it was my last one, so I don't want to lie to you. So I, I, I'm, I'm not going I'm, I'm to lie to you. I'm, I'm not going to read you another scripture. Brother Goff is. Brother, Brother Nelson just made mention yesterday when he was teaching about home Bible studies. And he said something about these people being God's people. He talked about them being God's people. and So we don't really think about it that way when, when we're talking about people that haven't yet been born again. And, and some of you may have been scratching your head saying, now does God really look at them that way? And, and I made note, and it was one of the things I meant to say and forgot, but now's a good time to say it. Get your Bible and go over to Acts chapter 19. And for those of you that are familiar with Acts 19, you know that's, this is the story of Paul and his missionary journeys. And, and in this particular passage, in, in this particular passage, in, in uh, 
the latter part of Acts 19, the Apostle Paul goes down to another city and here's what the Bible says. This is Acts 19. Read for me verse 26. And I'm not going to say anything because I said I wouldn't read another scripture so he's going to read it. I'm not going to read after him. I'm going to let him read it. Read. Moreover, ye see and hear that not alone at Ephesus, but almost through all Asia, this Paul hath persuaded and turned away much people. That's not the right one. I'm sorry. That's not the right one. That's why I'm not finding it. It is in Acts 19, but that's not the right one. Um, I don't know. I'll find it tonight. I'll give it to you tonight. It wasn't in my notes, but I'll... I'll find it tonight. It's there. That's not the verse I'm looking for, but. Hallelujah. I promise you it's in the Bible. I'm sorry, that's why. Chapter 18, verse 10. Read that for me. Let's see if we got this right. Acts 18, verse 10. That's the one I wanted. For I am with thee, and no man shall set on thee to hurt thee, Uh for I have much people in this city. Yeah, now, in verse 1, he had just gotten to Corinth. And this is what God told him in verse 10. Don't worry about anything, Paul. Because I have much people in this city. They weren't saved yet. But God already had his hand on them. God already had plans for them. And I'm telling you, when God's got his hand on some folks, and they come in here and we treat them right, I don't know if we'll see those particular people, but I can promise you this, God is going to send us blessings. God's going to stir up somebody's heart. God's not going to force anybody to an altar, but he will start bringing people. Oh, God, help us. Help us that when a visitor walks through the door, they see the right things. Let them see the right things. Let them see the right things. Let's lift our hands and love him right now.